We recap the Charlotte Hornets game, the last game of the year. Plus, take a look at rookie Mark Williams all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Today's uh, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a one hundred percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com. Promo code Locked On. I'm Walker Mail. You can catch me on WFNZ from 12 to 3 on Wesson Walker, and that is Doug Branson. You can find his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, on his uh, website, everyhornetsboxscore.com. Good to have you back, Doug. How are you doing, man? How are the days off? Oh, good to be back. I'm done with the holidays, man. I'm just for, I've been telling people this. I'm done with the holidays. I'm just ready to have like a random Tuesday. Just like a two, it's just a normal Tuesday. It's in the middle of the week. There's no holiday to look forward to, no holiday to look back on. I'm just ready to get back to covering basketball every single day. You just want a normal Tuesday off, or you just want a normal Tuesday back at work? No, what? no, back know. at work. Just a normal <laughs> Tuesday on the. I'm ready to get back on the grind. Like these holidays, just everybody goes MIA. You can't get anything done. I'm just ready to get it's back true. to it. It's true. It is true. But now we are back, and we are getting back to it. We are on the grind once again, and the grind for the Hornets starts in the year of 2023. Tonight against the LA Lakers, we'll get to that in just a moment as well. But we got to have Doug's observations, and we have to recap the latest contest between the Hornets and the Nets. Yes, the Hornets lost. 123 to 106 at the Spectrum Center. Tough shooting night for these guys once again. Uh, Gordon Hayward, one of seven. PJ Washington came back down, five to 13. Terry Rozier continues to pile up what are some really awful shooting nights, five of 14 for him. And even LaMelo Ball, seven of 19, um, is not one of his strongest shooting nights there as well. It's been kind of the story of this season as far as something that used to be a strength for this team that is no longer a strength, right? It is the three-point shooting, and it's the shooting overall. Reared its head again against Brooklyn to end out 2022. It's kind of sad, right? Because it seems like they're finally figuring out the defensive end of the floor and and if and they're generating good looks as Clifford has repeated over and over. And I think anybody watching closely can really see that there are a lot of wide open opportunities for, for this basketball team. They're moving the ball really well. Like if you look at the assist numbers, uh, those look really, really good. And they're finding open shots and just not hitting them. And you have to wonder <laughs> Is my analysis boring you? I just got a big old. I just got a big old Yonsky from Walker. No, I, I tried to. I tried to. I tried to bring it in. I tried to bring in my yawn, and so it wasn't just going. Well, all Well, that's over Radio the Walker. Radio Walker yeah. can get away with that. YouTube that's on right. YouTube, Walker cannot get away away with that. <laughs> as soon as I did it, you laughed. I was like, "Damn, he saw." Damn. <laughs> I just. I just want to see the feed. the The video feed is actually to my to my right here, and so I I caught it in the corner of my eye. Anyway, uh, mm, so okay. Go the, ahead, the, Doug, bottom, you were saying? The, the bottom line is players that they've counted on in years past to knock down three-point shots, including Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, are, are just uh, shooting really for their careers uh, historically bad. And, and I don't know that there's any other explanation except maybe injuries, throwing them into some kind of funk early on, and they're just now trying to play catch up with it. But so far, Gordon Hayward, points per shot attempt, 103.3. That's 22nd percentile among forwards. Terry Rozier, 
that's actually better. It had been sort of in the almost in the high 80s, low 90s, which is just awful, like last in the league. He's gone up to 22nd percentile among combo guards, 101.6. Even Kelly Oubre, uh, who was was doing really kind of the the dirty work for the team when LaMelo was out and, and now is dealing with a hand injury of his own, that may be some explanation there, 102.1, uh, that's 16th percentile among wings. Uh, but these are all really uh, typically like career bad numbers for these players, uh, and, and it's hurting the Hornets, obviously. Yeah, so I, I wonder – Man, I wonder what can be done about it because, you know, you have LaMelo back. That was the theme. Once they have all of their players back, I think the numbers would go up. And LaMelo's been back for what? Has it been 10 games now? It's been enough of a sample size. You would like to see that trend up. Gordon Hayward is back. Terry Rogier is going back to somewhat of his normal role rather than having to be point guard Terry because that was that was Terry's saving grace. It was the mm-hmm. fact that he had to facilitate and be the lead guy where he's absolutely not that lead distributor. Mm-hmm. So when you get a connector and then when you get your main point guard and Terry is still shooting this way, I mean, Doug, you went over all the numbers and not, not to pick on Terry because the shooting numbers have been bad all around, but you know, still it's been pretty, it's been awful for him, right? I mean, he's been a little bit worse than everyone else in this last month. The numbers started to tick up just a bit. I mean, there was, I think four games ago, he was shooting about 35, 36% from three uh, on the month, which is better than what it has been. And then the last four games, two of 17 against Portland, seven of 18 against golden state, three of 11 against OKC five of 14 against Brooklyn. The three point shots hasn't shot anything above 25%. And that's what he did one of four against Brooklyn. That's the best game he's posted from three in the last four contests. It's it's Terry has been really hurting the team offensively, just throwing up a bunch of shots that just aren't going in right now. And while PJ has been a roller coaster, Gordon, I mean, for the most part, I, I you don't you don't see him have those types of games. Yeah, I mean, that's when you rely so much on your shooting from Terry who had been one of the better three point shooters in the NBA catch and shoot a couple of different areas. Right. And the fact that now that is an absolute weakness, that's a big old turn for this team to experience and still try to perform well offensively. Uh, absolutely. The The good news is, yeah, that he did have one of his better shooting games against the Lakers and they play the Lakers mm-hmm. tonight. So that's, <laughs> I guess that's, that's a positive. Copy, you know paste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what's really been interesting about LaMelo's return as it relates to the shooting on this team is that he has been, I think, the driving force behind why they've been getting better looks because of his ability to drive, you know, draw the defense and then kick out. And, and he draws so much attention himself and his three point shooting has has been OK to, to it's been it's oscillated between OK to really, really good. And he's been able to pull the defense out a little bit farther, giving a little bit more space for others to drive and then kick out. But they've been taking more three point shots and those have been open three point shots, Walker, but they haven't been hitting them. And when you miss three point shots, open three point shots and you miss them badly, those tend to lead to transition opportunities for the other team if they miss badly enough to kick out long. And and that's I think we've been seeing that too. That's hurt the defense. These like really bad three-point misses turning into transition opportunities for the other team. 
Well, and that's kind of been the case all year long, right? I mean, we looked these numbers up at the beginning of the season and we were to say we were saying, okay, you know, Steve Clifford at that time was catching criticism for his lack of offense, despite not having all of his guys. And we were looking at open shots and the Charlotte Hornets were in the top 10 as far as open threes taken. And yet they were still so far down as far as the threes that they hit. I believe that's been a trend all year. No, absolutely. Oh, uh, and and yeah. it's only it's only got I think it's only gotten better with with LaMelo's return and LaMelo is is hitting open shots I think but just to give you some context Walker for how bad this has been I've got the numbers here on cleaning the glass which gets rid of garbage stats tries to give you a little bit better look at what the numbers actually mean and this year they are last in the league in effective field goal percentage they are 27th the rim, which has been a problem for them, even dating into the Borrego era Damn. when they were shooting better from three. They just missed so many bunnies. And there was a there was a particular point in the Brooklyn game, I think, in the third quarter, where two guys, I think it was Jalen McDaniels, I know it was Mason Plumley, but Jalen McDaniels also missed a layup, and then Mason missed a putback. And it was just like, it was backbreaking. Those kind of plays where you have two opportunities at the rim, uh, virtually unguarded and you miss them and then you, you give the ball to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving who are just masters at at sinking you at daggers at just you know burying your team it, it's just backbreaking but anyway 30 percent uh, or 30th in the league from three as well non-corner corner threes they're a little bit better but the shooting has just been awful but here's the context they haven't been this bad Walker at shooting threes at 32.3 percent since Keep scrolling, keep scrolling past 14-15, that Lance Stevenson year. You got to go all the way to 2011 oh, no. and 2012. <laughs> and if that's perking up, people are like, people are listening right now or watching going, 2011, 2012, where do I know that year? What is that year? Yeah. That's the 7-59 and 59 Bobcats. That's, that's where they are in shooting range right now. By the way, just going back to going up where the years are now, if you go to corner threes, Two years ago, that's what we kept talking about. Or, I mean, even last year, we were discussing the lack of hitting corner threes and how yeah, that was good a last they were. season thing for sure. Well, yeah, and and the, they were so good at it the year prior. They were in the eighth percentile, um, and they were towards uh, the top of the or league. Eighth in the, this, these are ranks. So they were eighth in the league two years okay. ago at corner gotcha. threes at forty one percent, and then last season it dropped to thirty seven point five percent. That was good for twenty third in the league. So, yeah, so they were ranked eighth, not eighth percentile, ranked eighth. And then you go back to non-corners. They were struggling from the corner the, the following year, but non-corner, they were fourth. And now mm -hmm. there's just nothing going for them. So you at least had one saving grace in one of those categories. I mean, two years ago, that was where the real shooting began. That that was you know, that was a good year for him. And and to be fair, by the way, yeah, I mentioned Terry being a little bit different than Gordon. It, it's just higher volume. Like Gordon Hayward is, is shooting atrociously from the three-point line as well. 19.4 in this month. A lot of like one of four or oh of four performances from Gordon. So it's just less volume. So it's not as noticeable, but he's he's shooting extremely poorly from three as well it's nuts man because there's one outlier year for Gordon which was 13 14 and I'm not sure what I mean he played 77 games so there wasn't I don't know if there was injury context that he was playing through but points mm -hmm. per shot attempt were 104.4 that was below average but really since that since that time um, he has been, you know, really above average to well above average yeah. at points per shot attempt for his career. And it goes from last season, uh, the last two seasons, 116, 114, drops all the way to 103.3. And I think so much of that 
is not being able to drill down enough three-pointers. It's crazy. On some serious usage, too, by the way, throughout his career. And it, that's starting to yep. go down. His usage right now is actually the lowest it's been in his career. What, so maybe, and, and I think the reason for that, Walker, is because they rely so much on on him for defense. Like, you really mm-hmm. can't run the offense through him. This really isn't even about LaMelo, I think. This is about you can't run the offense through Gordon much because you've got to save up his energy because he's one of the few guys that you can put on you know, the, the best offensive player and, and expect him to play decent defense. Okay, Gordon Hayward kind of trending towards the end of his career. What about somebody at the beginning of their career? Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to talk more about rookie Mark Williams, not only his great game against OKC, maybe get Doug's thoughts on that, but we'll also take a look at what he did against the Brooklyn Nets on New Year's Eve. That's still to come. But now before we talk about prize picks, this episode is brought to you by prize picks, and this is how it works. You get to pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And they offer projections on any sport you watch. That includes the NBA, the NFL, MLB, college, men's and women's basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket. There's so many other sports that you can get involved in. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals, and you're currently operational in over 30 states, even Canada as well. So you can check out prize picks there. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. And if you deposit 100, prize picks gives you 100. If you deposit 50, prize picks gives you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Mark Williams coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. All right, Doug. Mark Williams. Awesome game against OKC. 17 points, 13 rebounds. And we did the whole Doug's text segment on Friday. <laughs> And you told the people, you told me to tell the people that great game for Mark Williams. You're really happy for him, mm-hmm. but OKC is teeny weeny. And that's why he bitty, was bitty. partly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in part why he was so good. Um, I think I said Brooklyn, fun-sized. No, I don't know. Teeny weeny sounded better. So I rolled with it. You should have taken <laughs> it. That's better. That's even creative. So if you want to go compare OKC to Brooklyn, Brooklyn, it's not like they have these monsters down low. I mean, they do have Claxton, they have some centers, but 
they're bigger than OKC is for sure. And Mark did not put up a 17 and 13 game, had four turnovers, wasn't perfect from the field, still had some pretty nice offensive moments, in my opinion, for sure. Had the spin, had some really nice footwork, I think. And also, I think did play aggressive. I don't think he was soft by any means, especially with some of the offensive buckets that he was able to hit, but clearly not the same type of game against OKC. What have you noticed from Mark as, uh, as you've been out for a little bit? Well, so Brooklyn did go small. Their bench is small. When they take Claxton yeah. off the floor, they don't really replace him. They go Kevin – I mean, Kevin Durant's the tallest guy on the floor, and then I think Wantanabe was the guy that Mark Williams was matched up with in those smaller lineups. But what you saw was that Mark Williams, the start that he had offensively in that second quarter, you know, that one play where he, like, set the screen, he slipped, then he caught the ball, great pass from Lamelo, spun and scored, like, the body control – so outstanding for Mark Williams. There's so many little things that you can pick out from Mark's offensive and defensive game that you go, ooh, yeah, like, ooh, if that's consistent, if you do that consistently against against all kinds of different lineups, then suddenly you're one of, of the impact players at the center position. But I think what you saw in this game was that Brooklyn was able to then get Claxton back on the floor and especially in the, I thought in the third quarter, they made some, even when Claxton wasn't on the floor, third, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, they were able to make some adjustments on Mark. They sent a double his way and he turned the basketball over. Like that's, you know, he's been able to surprise some teams because teams haven't gotten a good look at him. And and he's been able to do some exciting things. And I think that's what Clifford was trying to tell everyone after OKC is like 17 and 13, that shows you the talent. It's also about matchups. It's also about the fact that, you know, once you start to play well, teams are going to make adjustments. And then how do you deal with those adjustments? And and he's dealing with them like an NBA rookie deals with them. But, the, but Walker, here's the important thing. There are enough exciting things that I've seen so far, even in this small sample size, that makes me confident that he can develop. Not that he will develop. That's up to him. But that he can develop into an impact player at the center position, something this Hornets team has not had in a long time and something I never saw, by the way, from some of the other center prospects that they've brought in, like Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, how about <laughs> yeah, call him out? How about well, I wasn't even calling. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm I wasn't even trying to do that as a joke. Like, title, I just never saw out Frank Kaminsky. That's what you did. I, well, yeah, but I that's <laughs> it's going to be on the ESPN crawl. No, but I like I saw I never saw those kinds of things from Frank Kaminsky. It's bottom line. Um, well, I mean, how about Mark Williams? I mean, you said he, I mean, got called for uh, or the double team went over there to him, you know, to for mm-hmm. like Mark Williams, great hands that you've mentioned on the text, mm-hmm. right? And you're seeing some of that as well. The the bucket that you were talking about where he spins, it actually finishes with his left hand, mind you, kind of going away from the basket a little bit. Yeah, it's really impressive. Like if we're going to talk about Mark Williams and, and so I got really excited after that game against OKC. And uh, to me, maybe maybe I should address it more. But to me, the caveat is so understood of him being a rookie in like his fourth game coming back, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be really excited under the confines of him playing his fourth legitimate game where he's actually getting, you know, legitimate bench minutes, 15 to 20 where in actual meaningful time. And he gives you 17 and 13. Yes, against OKC, but... I mean, you kind of want him to go for 17 points and 13 rebounds against the Thunder. I I mean, honestly, even against a team that small, then I would have been cool with 10 and 10 
right? But the fact that he actually does go perfect from the field, he does everything that you give him on his checklist, and then he crushes it. That's what's fantastic to watch. And so Steve Clifford can remind us all that he's a rookie. I I hope that we don't really need the reminding. I hope that we can get excited because he's doing more good than bad right now, at least for us to feel good about his future. And yeah, there's still going to be a lot of questions as there is for every single player that is so young. But I mean, if if he's forcing up a lot of shots and, you know, missing on higher volume and just getting destroyed in pick and roll coverage, which is something that people even exploited in college, like that was a legitimate concern coming out of college for Mark Williams. And I don't think that he's just getting destroyed and put in the spin cycle right now, even down low, he's still affecting what the, uh, the decisions of some of these other guys. Like I just, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm fine with Mark Williams. Well, so there's two things that I saw defensively that I think have to be figured out going going forward, and that's one where Watanabe hit like he hit two consecutive three point shots, I believe, yeah, to end that third quarter, and that the end of that third quarter is is what Steve Clifford pointed to as like why they lost the game. It really got out of hand at that point. It wasn't all Mark Williams, but that lineup, which was I think Gordon, it was it was Gordon and the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. which was Mark Teo, who sh- who didn't shoot very well uh, in this game, um, and then Jalen and JT Thor, who is, I mean, that's going to be third segment, stray observations, but boy, JT <laughs> Thor, wow. Um, but so th- on one of those three-point shots, it was, again, Mark on Watanabe. Watanabe posted up in the corner, and then Mark overhelps. Jalen was running stride for stride with Seth Curry, and didn't need to help that far down, really wasn't doing anything, but getting too far away from Watanabe, and then he could not recover to the corner. So that's one thing. When they go small on Mark Williams, he's got he's to really be disciplined about when he helps and how far he helps because teams are going to look to pass to whoever he's on, especially if that player can shoot threes. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, there was a block opportunity that he had in this game, and I noted in my everyhornetsboxscore.com, uh, my my game notes. So if you want to take a look, I even linked the play. Uh, this was in the fourth quarter. It was 8-10 to go in the fourth quarter. And there, there's a drive on, on I believe it was Jalen McDaniels, and and there's a blow-by. Mark Williams is the help defender. And he, he tries to kind of move stride to stride and takes one big stride towards the basket and sort of tries to use his length to almost chase down the block and misses the timing and just sort of flails at the ball and doesn't do anything. And if you compare that to several plays later, Claxton on the help defense, getting his body over early and instead of trying to run with the, with the offensive player and, and recover with the length, he just goes straight up body to body and blocks the shot. And he had like six or seven blocks in this game. So that's something else. Like, you know, he can't depend on his length. He's got to make sure that he's moving his feet, getting in position early for that help defense block. So just kind of little things. And and we're pointing mm-hmm. them out because he is a rookie, because these are things that we're going to look toward to next season and go, hey, remember when we were talking about that in season one? Look how much better he is in season two. And that's that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's it's certainly not the bad feeling that you had at the beginning of the season no. when Mark Williams was playing in the G League and we all wanted to see him, you know, maybe understanding the development process, but you certainly wanted to see him get some run. And right now he's, I mean, he, he flat out beat Nick Richards in backup center minutes the other night, despite Nick Richards being available, played three minutes, did Richards yeah, in this well, game against Nets. And, but, and, and yeah. that's about Nick Richards, I think. You know, Nick Richards has made, he's made some big strides this season too, but I think mm-hmm. Nick Richards 
left enough gaps in his game that allowed this decision to happen in terms of defensive rebounding, in terms of physicality. It wasn't exactly what Steve Clifford was looking for from Nick Richards. And I think if he improves those things, then I think Nick Richards eventually this season starts and Mark Williams is the backup. And I think you're going to see these kinds of positives and negatives all through the season with Mark Williams. I'm just trying to prepare people that he's, he's, he's not like Clint Capella right now. Like he's going to be a developing piece uh, for multiple seasons. I, I don't think he's going to be fully formed next season, uh, but he will get better, I think. And, and, mm-hmm. and Steve Clifford seems confident about that. He always says how smart he is and, and how hard he's working. So, you know, I'm super confident, but there will be issues when they have, when this team eventually does come to its senses and understands that this season is, is not really about winning. Well, and hopefully Mark Williams can develop, even though we've talked about it a million times, developing is not necessarily an escalator that is constantly moving up and then you reach your peak at your prime. That's not exactly how it always works out. You certainly hope that he gets better in his second year than some of these other rookies have. So coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Sorry. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, I was just going to say like sometimes you say something really interesting and your your co-host perks up. And then sometimes you say something really interesting and your your co-host yawns. Like it's mm-hmm. up and down. It's not an escalator. You know, sometimes sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't. Um uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about maybe some of the yawn performances <laughs> from bench players, young guys that are playing with this team. We'll talk about their development moving forward. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Yes, Built Bar is back and we love them on Locked On. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good is they're covered in 100% real chocolate, real chocolate. That's right. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie and coconut almond i'm not sure how bill does it but these bars taste they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros and what's even better is that they're healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein if you're close to a sam's club by the way you can run in and grab a 13 bar box with their hit flavors like brownie batter and churro that i just mentioned you can thank me later if you just go buy those things in bulk man we've done that quite a bit and they are awesome so again try built bars not only do they taste extremely good but they're also healthy for you as well so thanks again to built bar last segment coming up next locked on hornets is locked on hornets but I have seen him go all That's the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off, and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and, and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes. It seems like you're, I'm actively fighting you today to move to Sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, let's go to the notebook, something you might find on every hornetsboxscore.com and kind of empty it out, see some of your observations. One thing I do know, we talked about it against OKC. Talked a bit, a little bit about uh, against the Nets, kind of mentioning that as well. Man, JT Thor got 16 minutes against Brooklyn and the more Thor movement. I mean, is that thing down? I mean, at at what point does that just get disbanded? Because I know that you were the president and I subscribed. I was showing up to the meetings. You had pretty much 
put your heels in the cement that was the leader of the more Thor movement. And so I relented. But now it's like, well, yeah, I wanted nothing to do with this. Now I'm just kind of backing away despite being at the meetings. I just want to know if that has disbanded or if you guys are still meeting. It's worse than that. I mean, you go to the website, if you go to Morthor.com, it's forbidden access 404. The servers are down. Um, Does anybody have a sub stack, Morthor.com? Does it? No, no, that, <laughs> okay. that's down. That's down too. The feds are investigating. Uh, I'm like SBF. I'm, they're, carry, they're carrying me out in handcuffs at a Bahamian uh, prison. Like, it's, it's just bad at this point. I mean, JT Thor, look. Pay- yeah, Go the papers ahead. are still flying in the cubicles, right? Because people, we show up and then the they're just starting to right. descend upon the floors of the office. Yeah, yeah. No, it's awful. I mean, JT Thor has broken my spirit. And, and I feel bad Ooh. for him. I feel bad for him, honestly, because, you know, if you look at his G League numbers, they're gaudy. Like he goes to the G League and he just dominates. And then he gets his opportunity in the NBA. And, you know, Rod Boone mentioned it. I think you can see it. His confidence doesn't look very good. And when he shoots the basketball, it's just like the the, the moment is overwhelming him. Mean, he had that just horrible air ball, uh, a wide open three point shot, and it's wide. It's super wide open for a reason, right? Because teams do scouting reports, and I think there's you know. So if like if JT Thor's out there, right? Because Kelly Oubre's hurt, and so I think Clifford's calculation here is JT Thor gives me a little bit more defense. I'm trying to improve the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the alternative would be to go to James Booknight for more minutes. And Booknight can sort of has the potential to help you offensively, though he's had his struggles shooting the basketball this season, but he doesn't help you at all defensively. And when you're already dealing with issues in the starting lineup at the guard position defensively, then you know, you're, you're looking for some kind of answer on your bench. And JT Thor is just his offense is so we often talk about on the show players historically for the Hornets who have been so bad defensively, but their offense doesn't make up for how bad they are defensively with JT Thor. It's the opposite, right? His offense has been so bad that his defense can't make up for it. So it's just, it's just been hard to watch. Yeah, very wrong on the type of role I thought JT Thor was going to have this season. And you know what? These problems showed up right away in Summer League. I mean, we expected him to be very good. And remember, he absolutely was not. I think there was, man, was there maybe one or two games in the bottom half of that handful that they played um, that, that was okay, but we were stretching. Like, hey, he started to play a little bit better, but he still wasn't playing to the level that we all wanted to see him in summer league and we also thought he was going to be a steve clifford guy i I, clifford gave him a little bit of an opportunity at the beginning of the season i mean i think the most he would play for the most part is maybe eight minutes per contest and that was about it and eventually fell out of favor because he just wasn't playing well yeah look as we talk about not an escalator but boy the escalator uh, escalator just stops right away i mean it's not it's broken down they've got the little Mm -hmm. they've got the little yellow signs (laughs) up don't walk on this escalator uh it is broken and and so i think clifford should play james book night right i mean i just think like if if jt thor is going to be this bad on offense and and when you break the lineup you break the game uh jt Mm -hmm. thor is part of that and i think you got to go ahead and give james book night another shot to come back in and see if if he can uh, help this team offensively enough to make up for the fact that you're going to lose a little bit of length and size and defense and, and go for it. Like, I understand what you're giving up and what you're bringing in, but I, I just think at this point, you've got to give Book Knight another shot. As, as long you're, Look, you're tinkering with the lineup anyway. If Kelly Oubre remains out, like if Kelly Oubre comes back, then problem solved, um, I think. So, yeah, it's it's been bad. What, what do you right. see? What are you seeing in these games? What are your stray observations? 
Um, well, I mean, one that I, I know you had planned to talk about as well, but PJ Washington, as we discussed, so many of these guys getting into different roles once players come back. PJ Washington and his play might be the best example of someone being helped by LaMelo, Terry, yeah. Gordon, their presence. It's exactly what we thought. PJ, it's it's fine to test that out. You were in the experimental stage of PJ Washington's career the first three seasons. And then you kind of even had to do that at the beginning of this year because of all of the problems. And you know what? PJ had some of his success being an ISO guy, actually going to him the first damn game of the season. PJ sent step back threes against Golden State, sixth game of the year. He's scoring 31 points on a big upset victory. And as we talk about, consistently, it just wasn't going to happen where he had to play that type of role. But since you've had more of these players come back from injury, P.J. Washington has now had six straight games in double figures. He's had much more of the bright games against the Lakers, against the Trailblazers, eight and nine of 13, 10 of 13 against OKC. And he's actually taking a very consistent amount of shots per game. So 13, 13, 14, 13, 13. Those are the amount of field goal attempts that he's had in each of the last six games. So yeah, not, not a great outing shooting wise for him against Brooklyn, only one of four from three. That wasn't very good, but still, if we're going over the last five games or so from PJ, he's just playing better than what he was um, when he was asked to do a whole lot more. Yeah. And, and when we talk about the roller coaster, it really is like, he's either going to have an excellent game in terms of points per shot attempt or he's going to have mm-hmm. a really awful one like it's either going to be in the you know top you know 15 percentile or it's going to be in the bottom 25 like there's no he doesn't have a lot of sort of average offensive games but I've got his game log here up from cleaning the glass and just to illustrate his changing role look at the beginning yeah. of the season through uh, the game against the New York Knicks uh, on December 9th. And it's just high usage all the way through. It got higher as that time went on. And then you can see if you float up to the past five games, his his usage, uh, which was like in the uh, mid-20s, like 25%, 26%, which is high, and, and it's floated down into like 17, 16, 15, 11. He did have high usage against L.A. because he was just scorching hot and they were just feeding him the ball because he was knocking down shots. But you can see as his usage has dropped, generally, you know, he's he's becoming a better player. And I think this is sort of the maximum role for P.J. Washington. I absolutely agree. Um, and, and he's moving the basketball well. He's been doing that generally all season. But you can see his assist percentage early in the season was a lot higher because, again, the ball was in his hands so much, mm-hmm. um, and he was moving it effectively. But you really want the ball in his hands a moderate amount so that um, you, know, you don't have these sort of 0-for-13 opportunities from him. Well, and, and again, in a contract year, it's, it's not like a player is going to love admitting, if you ask me to do less, then I'll thrive. You know, they want to be able to handle all of the different responsibilities you throw at them. The agent's probably pretty happy, though, because the agent well, cares about making bank, baby. And if PJ, if PJ Washington is going to be a better player and probably get a little closer to that 20 million asking price by having higher percentages, I, I know that the usage should come sometimes when you're talking about money that high. But not at the expense of production, which is absolutely what was happening with PJ. So if you show out on defense and often, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get to 20, but he's going to get closer to that than he was with high usage percentage.
Well, I think the team really wins here for not giving in to that demand because and the, and they've gotten the opportunity because he's been healthy and because others haven't been healthy. They've been able to essentially test out the theory. Okay, what happens when you give the ball to him more? Like you can't really do that if everybody's healthy. You can't tinker in that way. You can't experiment right. in that way. But because everyone was injured, you got an opportunity to see what he could do. And it was like, oh, <laughs> it's you know, it was good there at the beginning of the season, but it got a lot, lot worse. You have and flashes, then, and that's about it. Yeah. Like it's nothing you can rely on. Right. And so you got to see that and it's going to they have they have the information they need to make a, an educated choice at the end of the season about what, what they want to do, how hard they want to go at retaining P.J. Washington. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they stick to that and, and don't, you know, if another team comes along and says, well, actually, you know, we think that he can do it. And, and that was just an anomaly. Well, let them take that chance. I think you let, you let them take that chance. Or they and just really value seen, what he has now. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. but right. hundred percent um, playing better though. It's nice to see PJ have better, you know, more hot games than the cold ones. Cause boy, that slump, it was long lasting for PJ seems to be kind of out of it, but I'm um, well, you know, the roller coaster, it can descend for sure. What, one more observation for you really quickly. Okay. So we talked, uh, we joked a little bit earlier in the season about Steve Clifford just hitting the eject button, just being like, look, I'm not here for this. I'm not here for a rebuild. I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, just getting really frustrated with the team construction and the just the bad injury luck. Well, uh, Steve Clifford mm-hmm. has remained faithful to this team and is going out there in front of the media and, you know, defending his team and, and doing all of the right things. And all the players are, are essentially drama free. You haven't seen any drama between him and LaMelo yet. Uh, and and on the other side, you look at Atlanta, the, the little I-85 rivalry, and that all of that's happening in Atlanta, right? I mean, you've got Trey Young not showing up. You've got Nate McMillan saying, look, I'll resign. I will quit right now. So, you know, of all the things that have gone wrong in Hornets yeah. land, it's been a tough season. It's been a bad luck season and off season. Uh, but they are, you know, to their credit, they're, they're staying together. It hasn't gone like full dysfunctional family yet. No, it, it's not been full dysfunctional family. Um, they're still, you know, 10 and 27 right now. They're above the Detroit Pistons in the standings. They are three games back of Orlando, who right now sits in that 13 seed. So that's where they are. And, you know, lottery pick, whatever, man. Like, we'll ride the wave, baby. That's what we're going to do with the Charlotte Hornets team. And at least it's not full team dysfunction. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown game-to-game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Lockdown NBA. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap the Lakers contest. 